This is Lisa. And this is Maya. And you're listening to the Getting There podcast. Can't wait to listen to these. When I'm like 65. Oh. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck, pretentious children. Yeah, I can always sense like how what it's going to be like. It's, it'll be very fun. I'll Just call like, you when I'm 65. Yeah. Well, we might still live together. <laughs> in like a modern, flat share, community sort of way. Good evening. Good um, evening. We are a bit tired. We've had a long day, yeah. both of us. Mondays. Mondays, you know the drill. Um, but we do have quite the challenging topic. We're a it bit feels nervous. so huge. Yeah, I didn't. I like pushed forward making notes for this for so long. Like the whole day, I was like, "Oh, I can take a break and, and make notes for the podcast now." But it's not really like, a break. No, it's, it feels, oh, no, it's not a break for yeah. all. And also, it just feels like such a big thing. And we yeah. think, like, the title on my notes app was "social change," and that just feels so heavy. <laughs> like, I don't, I didn't want to look at it. Yeah, yeah, we'd rather talk about Britishness. Yeah, um, but basically, this is two reviews in one. And then we're going to try and link this into, like, a broader discussion of social change. Oh, we'll see how that goes. Blah, Maybe we'll blah, go somewhere. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it's very important to, like, say what our intention is. So we can be, so we can be accountable. Mm. Yeah. All right. It's two events that happened at the South Bank Centre. Um, well, for me. Um, but yeah, it was quite... one of them was Barbican. Yeah. It was quite interesting because it happened within the span of a month. I went to see Triangle of Sadness. The new movie by Ruben Eslin. The premiere, the I premiere. might add. Which, the red carpet. Yes, and that context was very, very important for, for my upcoming review. But, um, upcoming review. <laughs> um, and the other event we saw together, which was like a week ago now, mm-hmm. um, which was Greta Thunberg talking on behalf of her, not on behalf, but about her new book that she... She's the editor of the book called The Climate Book. Yes. yes. So it was an interview with her. Very different events, but weirdly connected. Gave me kind of the same feeling. Yeah, both made you feel like you're not kind of living in the real world. Like you feel like this like meta, like you're kind of looking at the world instead yeah. of being in it. Yeah. And this and like weird, I don't know, sense of being an agency of something. Yeah. In agency, oh. without agency. No, I, felt, I feel like I should do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then I'm again, not... I felt very disillusioned. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, um... disillusionment for me is the key word. Like, how were you disillusioned in, in Triangle of Sadness? Because I felt like it was such a ride. Uh, You'll get it. Well, okay, maybe. should we get into the... Let's let's do a summary of Triangle of Sadness then, because we have to lay it out. This okay. is going to be full of spoilers. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be able to talk about the things I want to talk about without spoilers. Yeah, yeah, so no. this is going to be a huge spoiler. So now. if you haven't watched. watched it, go watch it <laughs> yes. now, because it's really fun. We've talked about it so many times, because different people have seen it. It's come up in different conversations. Basically, Ruben Esland is Norwegian. See, Swedish, Swedish? Swedish and me? Norwegian, or Swedish Danish. There's some other thing because I live. He lives in Gothenburg. Whatever. <laughs> he is a. I'd say he's an upcoming director. No. Oh no, I think he's very established. Well, he's had three movies. Yeah, but two of them have won the gold. Yes. Yes, but he's still like a rising star. Yeah, it's been three movies. That was the third one now. Yeah. And he, we love him. We. I think he's great. Yeah. I, I, I find so much, not pleasure maybe, but like I think about his movies maybe once a day. It comes up so many times. Yeah. It's insane. 
and especially the square yeah like in which my i think life, is my just, favorite movie of all time yeah yeah, it yeah. Was, it's we've up seen there it me, i but. think i've seen it four times now so his first movie was about an avalanche not mentionable in this context now but um second movie is a caricature of the art world and how pretentious everything mm-hmm. is um, a very ruthless class criticism I'd or say, pretentious yeah, yeah i guess if you see maybe. yeah a cultural class yes but mm-hmm. less about the traditional marxist class system i feel like um but the newest movie triangle of sadness is very much a class um criticism yes it's about well it, it's in three parts and it's about what like vanity it's about um what matters to people and not and yeah. how you it's about power i guess it's yeah. about um the power of of your social standing and how like pointless at all this kind the of hypocrisy of it i think yeah. hypocrisy is a very hypocrisy is a very good um keyword but basically on less meta terms um it's this influencer couple that goes on a cruise ship um with tons of insanely rich people mm-hmm. people that own um arms trade companies yeah and they sell shit tons of russians um so like very st- stereotype loaded boat mm-hmm. basically and the boat drowns and blah 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 blah. they end up on an island and it's just this it's a very basic story if you think about it like you can yeah. kind of predict everything because it's so full of stereotypes and they're gonna land on that island then it's gonna be survival mode and then there's this like subversion of of classes blah 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 yeah do they meld together do they have a bunch of conflicts just because you're in this new context. Yes. But basically, Estland, his theme is very much like awkward interactions and you mm-hmm. feeling very awkward as a an onlooker. Yeah, like he's it's a very ordinary situation a lot of a lot of the time, but then he's tweaking something which makes everything feel very kind of surreal or too real, I guess. Yeah. Um and very close to your heart like you feel it physically the the bad mood yeah um and that's kind of his signature thing but then you know it's an assumed yeah. film he's kind of like drilling up the volume button mm. um of like stereotypes and hypocr- hypocrisies and i think by doing that he really puts a finger on what is behind because you can talk about class in so many different ways and in so many different terms, but I think those unwritten rules that he is weaving into his films and really like making visible mm. in his films, mm. in my opinion, that's kind of what holds the classes together, kind mm. of. Mm. Like the upper class is held up by these traditions and the way you act. And um, if you can't conform to that Mm -hmm. you just can't be a part of it and it's it's that makes it exclusive yeah i think that's kind of behind all of this yeah um that he's trying to say yeah i mean this does seem like a start of a very good review i think we do have a bit opposing (laughs) opinions on this because so let's just let's just we're we're talking around it (laughs) i think i had the best experience the best movie experience ever i like almost peed my pants it was so funny it was this huge hilarious a huge um cinema um and the whole it was just very pumptious we like had to go through a red carpet and then people were getting like champagne and we sat down and it was already because i knew it was about like uh, pointing out uh, class hierarchies 
Um, and the whole, it was just a big, huge hypocrisy because mm-hmm. he, the director, like obviously arrived on the red carpet and I was just like, I don't know. And then the movie started and I loved it. It was very, very funny. Um, but then I got out of it and I had this weird sense of it being so wrong. Like his criticism that through the movie just went into nothingness, nothingness, because these people just went out Obviously, the audience was quite upper class. Mm-hmm. And they went out of the thing and they were all laughing. They had the best time. Mm. Why Why were we allowed to have fun? You know what I mean? But that, I, I don't really agree with that because you're going to make art in a mm-hmm. form that needs to be entertaining. Like, if people are going to go to the cinema... It does... Okay, yeah. You, you, need, you need to think as well, but... It being entertaining shouldn't be opposing it having something to say. Yes, but I think that having something to say part was lost. But don't you also think that part of the humour is just the self-deprecation of those people? Like, don't, don't you think that the people who were there could see themselves in those characters? Like, there's so many moments, especially in the beginning of the film, when... You can even if you're not like up there in like the highest class, you mm. can really feel yourself how stupid you can be in some situations, and that is inherently funny. I think. Yeah, that's, that's the root of but, so many of those laughs. Yeah, but I think social critique in pop culture has to be digestible in a way. It has to appeal to the masses because people just won't look at it if mm. they know they're going to be criticized for like two and a half hours. Like, of course they're not going to go there. But I feel like. It's such a narrow line between, like, keeping the entertainment in the social critique that mm. one, like, wins over the other. But I don't think they don't necessarily have to be on different sides of the line. Um, Do you think... I, I kind of think the opposite. I, I think this is kind of true about The Square, that if you have a movie that is very stylistically pretty, and mm. it's, like, very easy to like if you are in those circles. Like, mm. it has all the elements. Like, it has a lot of, like silences and like awkward moments and people crying people feel really bad and like this like very like solemn like tone yeah it's very easy to think it's good if you are prone to those kinds of like it's good because it's good kind of thing Mm. right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he goes the opposite way like there is diarrhea spraying (laughs) from toilets and people are puking all over tables and it's it's like it's the longest puking puking scene in in cinematic history history. yeah um it's still the prettiest puke i've ever seen absolutely it's gorgeous like the whole movie is like the shit as well yeah and like when it's coming down the window to the boat like it's like so (laughs) grotesque but very aesthetic it's, and, and it's aesthetic, but I think him making it so extremely, like, like you laugh out loud so much mm. that just doesn't really belong in those settings a lot of the time. Like, mm. in very, like, class criticism mm. or, like, I don't know, whichever circles that that world is usually talking about. Because maybe it's not appropriate. That That's why I don't see, like, why does a primarily upper-class audience... Why are we allowed to go to this movie which costs us £20 to, like, laugh about criticism of the self but then, like, just go out and go on about our lives like nothing changed? Yeah, but what do you expect? Like, people are going to go out there and be like, like, how should they act? I don't know. That's the thing. That's the thing. But I, I do feel like he could have at least... There could have been one, like, like hit in the belly mm-hmm. at the end. 
I don't know, maybe the ending tried to do that. I feel like the ending, because now we're really spoiling it, but I hope you haven't kept listening if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, (laughs) when when the model, the whatever her name is, Yo-Yo, Yaya. There's a very rich model that goes on the, she's like the main character, goes on the boat, and then there's this ending scene where she is with the toilet cleaner. Yes. And that on this and island is kind of like the boss yes. of the island. Because now on the island, like the roles have changed because she's got all the survival skills. The other rich people don't. Mm-hmm. And basically, the rich girl finds a way out of this situation mm-hmm. to like go back to where things were. She's going to get her status again. And then basically, the toilet cleaner has a chance to kill her. Mm. And that and then kind of leaves it open whether she kills her or not. Because killing her would mean that she would retain her status as the like group chief yeah yeah and what does that make her like it's that's a whole question itself but i do think that it maybe it's not as punchy as it as it could be in the Mm. end when Mm. she's like retreating to the role that she assumes in the rest of the world in Mm. away Mm. from the island when she's like oh i'd really like to help you like to bring you like not as up, like, like not on my family, level, yes. but a bit higher up so that yeah. you have, like, a an okay life in the capitalistic yeah. sense. And then she's killed. Yes, probably killed. We, we don't know. Probably, but it wasn't enough for me. And I think, especially seeing it in that context, I think having seen it in a different, like, more normal cinema would have been different. But, mm-hmm. like, obviously, as a filmmaker, you have to make money and you have to appeal to your audience. Mm-hmm. And that audience, because it's quite the, like, indie movie, mm-hmm is middle or upper class people so of course you like your options of critiquing are limited within that sphere and maybe triangle of sadness did like push those boundaries as much as possible also i feel like for the square i preferred it so much more but maybe that was because of the fact that i felt like i belonged more to that class Mm-hmm. I belong to that cultural class and that's why I like felt and I knew okay this movie has changed like it has changed something in my brain mm-hmm. it has like made me realize things whereas with the new movie which was directed like Russian oligarchs mm-hmm. I obviously don't know whether that critique actually arrived yeah sure yeah I, I think we should be conscious about thinking that it's a critique towards a certain group of people is more or critique about Which humanity then, like yeah. how how silly we are thinking mm. that some people are worth more just because they make mm. more money mm. or whatever it is i think that's a thing that we all buy into kind of regardless yeah, of where you are on yeah. the class ladder or whatever you want to say yeah. ladder is probably a very bad way to put it to be honest <laughs> it's not something you have to climb but still yeah i get that that you would be more susceptible to kind of understanding yeah. like the subtleties if you have like experiences within that yes but i wanted to go back to the point you were making about how or you touched on it that when they're on the island the roles kind of flipped Mm -hmm. and the toilet cleaner were the one who had the most power in that situation because she had all the skills and i i was a bit afraid of this being the narrative in the movie that just because someone is of a working class or a lower standing on Mm -hmm. the social ladder Mm -hmm that they would be more apt in those situations necessarily like that we that we make that really simplified like link in our in our brains that yeah of course she's gonna she's gonna regain her power when there's a disaster like that yeah i think and she's the one making a fire and she's the one like it's very like 
yeah, and I think it's a very cool Almost way of putting it. Almost hunter-gatherer yeah. kind of return. Yeah, that's part of it as well. Mm. Um, you can think of the movie as simulating climate change in a, in a way that we have this like very indulgent lifestyle mm. and rich people mm. are exploiting the mm. the, mm. the what, toilet cleaners and people who are working on the bus, mm. the, the boat. And then that, that's flipped somehow when they have this disaster and they have to be in the hands of the climate and yeah. whatever external services yeah, they can't animals. control anymore. And the Hungry animals, donkeys. and they're literally in the wild trying yeah. to survive. Yeah. And that suddenly we will have this change and the people who will be kind of higher regarded will automatically be those um, people who are, who are right now suffering. Mm, mm, mm. And I think that's a really like crude way because we know that the working class are the people who are going to be the most susceptible to any like external yeah like, wow already like any i mean not necessarily the west the working class in the like global north but like whole of the global south won't even like yeah the global arrive south. on the island yeah if you know what i mean yeah exactly and yeah. then it's there's of course varying levels of those kinds of skills but it's not even going to be about that mm. and i think putting it in that way is kind of res- like not very re- respecting of the people that they talk about when they make that kind of metaphor about climate change yeah i i actually haven't thought about it as a metaphor of climate change but that it doesn't does have make, to be no but, but it does make a lot of sense and it, it is again it's just an insane stereotype coming from like upper classes of course like if it was a working class director that metaphor wouldn't have been made yeah because it's ignorant yeah and belittling in a way i mean like i just question his intention was it meant to be social critique and like bring people to think or was it more entertainment or was it both and it just failed for me um or i think it 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 succeeded because we've talked about this so much we have but that's the thing i meant i don't know whether i think you're underestimating his audience i think it will spark conversations Mm. It raises awareness. Yeah. And maybe I expect too Isn't much of movies. Isn't that the best movies. thing a movie can do? Like, what else exactly. can it do? Maybe I expect too much of a movie to, like, bring people onto the streets, which obviously <laughs> isn't going to happen. Yeah. But what I also wondered, because I was thinking of it as a failure all the time of, like, not bringing about actual change. Um, but maybe if his intention, and I'm going very meta level now, <laughs> maybe his intention was point out the very hypocrisy of the hypocrisy. Maybe he wanted to highlight the very hypocrisy of social critique nowadays to like highlight how hypocritical and like useless social critique is in many ways because mm-hmm. it serves entertainment or it like raises awareness in a way but like can't go further. That's true, yeah. They have this whole scene when uh, the captain of the, of the ship Whilst chip. it's going, chip. <laughs> <laughs> the chip. Chip. Um, the chippy. He's whilst it's going down. He is reading out like a socialist like agenda. He's reciting. They're like going from Marx to Lenin back to like I don't know. And then Mao he's, he's and own, reciting like, quotes. He's talking about the U.S. government, and he's kind mm-hmm. of like a conspiracy theorist, like socialist conspiracy conspiracy theorist. Yeah. All right. That's true. <laughs> We don't know. We'll ask Estland at some point. But I guess what it does touch on is like who is to blame for 
how the world has turned out to be. Of course, of course, the the people who are in, who are in power at the moment have this huge responsibility, but we also are all part of this the social structures mm. that keep mm. this up. And mm. I think that's what Ruben Östlund is really trying to highlight. Yeah, and continuously uncover. reconstructing them. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And I guess that that's where Greta comes in because <laughs> what she is really about is. It's not real about the political changes. It's about just getting people to talk about it and to disrupt the power structures that are there from the ground up. I disagree. No? (laughs) I think it is very much about political change as well. She's literally saying politics is useless. She basically said that on the talk. That that is very true, but I think she sees the power to change politics Mm -hmm. in the people. Okay, yeah. But... I think putting it the way but you not put the, it, the it sounds like... Power, inst- like start, doesn't start with the people in power. No, it doesn't. But those are the people that essentially, finally, at the end of that it, have, have the power to like change yeah. stuff. But I don't know. Wow, we're going into Greta analysis already. So basically, we're switching to Greta Thunberg's talk now. Mm-hmm. Same hole. Same hole? H- hall. Oh, hall. Same hall. <laughs> same hole. How did you How did you find it? Um, I tend to, I think, push away those thoughts a little bit about climate change. Like, I try to not think about it too mm, much, to mm, be honest, mm. because it's such a scary thought. Mm. And it really, it's always like a, an eye-opener whenever I watch a talk on it or mm. I read mm. something about mm. it. And I do think that it inspired me in a way, but I also came up out of it a bit confused about what's actually needing to be done Mm, kind of mm, like mm. there's this urgency to do something but then the something I'm not really sure of the direction Mm. I felt exactly the same way how how I felt when I left Triangle of Sadness I felt insanely disillusioned I was like sure like these issues are talked about Greta as well as Ruben raised awareness Mm -hmm. but what now and I know well maybe we're going too far into this but she was talking about the same things she was always talking about. And this sounds like I'm criticising her, I'm not. But um, I just feel like I didn't learn anything new. Yeah, And yeah. that's probably because we have seen a lot of talks And we don't need to learn anything new about climate change, no. really. We no, just no, need no, no, to no, do no, something no, no, no. about it. Exactly. But I, I, I wrote down a note which says climate change populism. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like to mobilise the mass, you obviously have to have some kind of populist stance. And I just felt like issues were, and again, this is not a criticism, but issues were obviously simplified to a way that like will mobilize the masses. I mean, she yeah. started off like sitting on the ground, holding up like obviously very simplified posters because that's mm-hmm. how you're going to raise awareness. But I came into that talk hoping that she'd like lay out some kind of program or like steps on how to, because she kept like the word change felt like. 250 times yeah we need change what system change what is it social change i know what system change is but like how are you that's such a big word yeah and i think at that word i just feel so helpless i feel like it scares me an individual i can't do anything to change the system like that's 
I feel like the system is beyond just all the people on the planet. Yeah. It's about how we all relate to each other. And it's like, yeah. how are you... I can't even change the system of my family or of this like flat chair. <laughs> yeah, right? like, and that is probably why we're not getting anywhere. Because we see these like... It's almost like an antagonism. It's the personal and the system. Or it's like the individual and mm. the system. And you either blame the individual or you blame the system. But like both just remains at blaming yeah and you don't get any further and obviously Greta is very much against like blaming the individual so she blames the system and the system is to be blamed but I just wish I just wish someone would give me like point out stuff and maybe that's very lazy of me to wait for someone to, to yeah, let me know well me well I was thinking the same thing before this and I was like no but if I actually start thinking about it there's a bunch of things that I could do like again, I know that I what I could do as an individual mm. but then on a systems level because we know that it's not going to be enough if everyone just yeah. goes vegan yeah, everyone exactly. starts recycling um what you can do about that it feels very hopeless when you I at least can't imagine a world I can think of specific things perhaps mm. and maybe together those things will make up like another system but mm. my whole worldview is rooted in capitalism like of course yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about her like telling me what to do on an individual level. I'm more like I wish she or other representatives of the climate change movement would actually like l- give a list of demands to like and they do. Mm. But I often feel like I don't know, they might just not get to me. And um, but then I feel so insanely disillusioned cuz cuz I don't see how there's any way out of it like if I at least had a list of demands in my head that I know politicians are in some way working on even if they're not working for it but like I can't continue blaming politicians if I don't even know what they have to do yeah yeah and I would really love to know and I think um there are other people who are really specific about Mm. that like Mm. I know you've read um Green Mm. New Deal by Naomi Klein yeah. Which seems like a book that I should read because I feel yeah. like it would give me a much better idea about yeah. what this is. Yeah. And Can you that, tell me? <laughs> I mean, that was, I read it quite long ago, but it was about um, Alexandra Cortez's. It wasn't her Green New Deal, was AOC? it? AOC. AOC. That she was part of it. Yeah, yeah. I think Bernie Sanders was part of it um, as well. Green New Deal. And it was basically, it was also very disillusioning because it was basically saying that politicians have no power at all because it's just um, the the lobbyists lobbyists behind them which are ensuring their votes blah 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 so politicians actually aren't also aren't the people who will bring about any change because it's the lobbyists behind Mm -hmm. so i really don't know how we're gonna get out of this mess but yeah then i i just saw greta sitting there talking about how useless politicians are and blah 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 blah, and the world lobbyists didn't fall a single time i don't know i'm getting anxious i mean when it comes to politics, if you're living in a democracy, which much of the world isn't, I, I get that. But like where I live and where I come from, it's a democracy. And of course, there's lob- lobbyists, but the politicians like standing is still dependent on votes. And I think that's where it comes in. Like they want to ultimately please the people. Mm. Right. Or am I totally naive in this and thinking... Because otherwise, it's it's not really a democracy if companies are the ones that are behind the actual choices of the politicians in the end. But if you look at what happened in Russia and how that has led to a massive oil crisis, 
oil yeah, company is Russia at the moment. A democracy. Yeah, 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 but like it's a connected planet. Like yeah, we're yeah. suffering from the consequences. Oil yeah, companies yeah, right course. now are probably the biggest player. They are deciding every single second of this year. Mm-hmm. Like they've got so much power. I don't see how politicians, even though it's a democracy, our existence relies on massive emission industries. Yeah. And they've got the power at the end because they can literally turn off the button, turn off the pipe, like how it happened in Russia, and then what are politicians going to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's like a short-term view, though. Like, obviously, you have to be at the mercy of that at all times, mm-hmm. but you can still invest in other types of solutions so you don't have to be reliant on the companies anymore. Yeah, if we, obviously, if we have the money. Yeah, obviously the money lies in those places mm, and that's mm, like a problem because mm. money is power yeah it just seems like but somehow <laughs> it's vicious circle like I, I just oh and also then i do understand this is a bit of a different point but i do understand how critics of the climate change movement fridays for future or greta <laughs> call her out for these like quote-unquote empty calls yeah system change not climate change and I, I have told you before but when when I used to do stuff for Fridays for Future in Switzerland when we were chanting stuff and it changed to system change not climate change I lit I just couldn't bring it out of my mouth because mm-hmm. it just seemed so again hypocritical to say something and, and don't not know what it means and I guess that's about education as well like I don't I don't think I have the knowledge to to imagine what a system change would look like. But maybe just at this point, it's all we need to just be saying it. But Yeah, exactly. But I just feel like I'm, I, it get, makes me less motivated to do something if I can't uh, imagine what it would look like. Yeah, so your goal or objective or anything. Yeah. And yeah, but what you said about um, not knowing what that entails, I yeah, I, I don't think anyone really knows but I also don't think anyone has to know and Mm. then we go back to the individual responsibility I don't even think Greta has to know Mm. she's very much allowed to just sing that out yeah everyone can do their thing kind of and then the people who are experts at it can make the policies and actually go ahead with it exactly and I I feel very bad because I've like painted a very negative view of Greta, but I've been doing what like big institutions, big companies are doing, and just blaming her as a yeah nuancing to its death kind yeah. of yeah yeah that's what we're here to do I guess what nuancing everything until there's nothing left yeah yeah oh my god where are we we're in this weird hole now I yeah disillusionment is really the word <laughs> yeah um I feel like we have to end on a positive note in a way and I did think about it that maybe I'm just with both of these case studies that we've brought up I maybe I've just had the wrong hopes and like expectations of both of them maybe I've waited for both of them to like Mm -hmm. solve something which obviously isn't true yeah Um, I mean it's very easy to look at other things and say oh, this is obviously not working. Like, why aren't you changing this Mm, really mm. big problem? And then doing that, sitting in a podcast and talking about it, and then not really going out and doing anything the next day. Like, like, I'm going to take a flight in December to go back home. But you're now feeding into the individual blame. I know, I know. But like, still, 
I can't always hide behind that. Like yeah, that's very true. every person is is part of it. Obviously, some people have a lot more responsibility than others. Yeah. I get that, but I make choices every day no, about how I want to talk to the people. Like it's about like the discourse as yeah. well. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, you shouldn't have to feel shame around using the services no. that are set mm. up by the system, mm. but it's not just this like hide behind a yeah, criticism kind of thing. It is very easy to be lazy with a current notion of it not being about um, yeah. individual responsibility. Because I was actually thinking of <laughs> about it today that we we made the change in going vegan. Like I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't ever like be lazy and just choose a steak. Like mm. that's a conscious choice that we like yeah. not make. But then I did just stand in Waitrose and just was lazy and got a plastic bag. I could apply the same logic that I apply to veganism to every single other part of my life. But yeah, I don't or make do some it. other big change, yeah. like going zero waste, or I can yeah. stop shopping. Yeah, and I'm sure it's not that hard. No, I'm sure once you've done it, it's not hard. No, but before we go into a different topic, which is individual responsibility and or maybe veganism, I think both of these events have just like, yeah, their goal was to raise um, awareness and they have and we're talking about them. Certainly. So very good. And go see Triangle of Sanders if you haven't already. Yes, yes Especially yes, after yes. this episode. I'm, I'm probably going gonna, gonna to watch it again soon. Totally. Because you, you mull it over and you mm. have so many different kind of angles of looking at it after a while. So. Yeah, you definitely have to. I mean, the same as the square. You literally yeah, see def- new things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, maybe read Greta's book and tell us maybe maybe she does actually yeah. give us I don't plan on buying it. And we were actually... Which, again, is so fucked up. We're, like, criticising it and then we're like, oh, we're actually not going to read the book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh and as we were walking out, we are like, should we buy the book? And I was like... No, I don't really need to buy it. Uh, and it's probably going to be quite expensive here. I, I might get on Amazon instead. <laughs> just because it's cheaper for me than I just... I think it's a perfect way to wrap up this podcast. Um, oh, the shame. All right. I hope we didn't induce too much climate anxiety because I feel it all the time. I feel body. it right now. And I'm going to blow out this one candle that we have by like, emitting CO2 next to us. Before we're going to get into a blackout winter. (laughs) All right. Good night. Keep warm, everyone. (laughs) Bye.